Recording live from the green room in Armonk, New York, <laughs> visiting visiting my brother-in-law's, uh, actually visiting my mother-in-law, who's here recovering from surgery at her son's, my brother-in-law's place in Armonk. <clears throat> Idyllic Armonk. Sending my best healing wishes. Thank you. Um... I was actually wondering if we had passed the Costco on the way here that we stopped uh, <laughs> for gas and wine the last time you were here when we were on our way to Connecticut. Mm-hmm. But but I think it's like uh, it's like thirty minutes north of here, basically. <laughs> you know, in this economy, it's just where where else would you get gas? I know, and I love Costco. I love going with you. That was really nice. Um. <laughs> Well, I'm in southeastern yeah. Poland, um, 250 kilometers from Lviv, mm-hmm. uh, Ukraine. You hearing any supersonic uh, explosions or? No, but nearby there's a U.S. Air Force um, Stratocaster tanker <laughs> flying above, uh-huh. according to flight radar. <laughs> I read that, was it the Russians or somebody like managed to destroy one of the world's largest. uh, Oh, that Antonov I saw. That's crazy. Yeah. Is Um, that the like Beluga aircraft? No, that's the one that they use for the plane part ferrying. But this this Antonov is massive. The Jack Antonov. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. Um, but that plane, I don't know if it's that exact one or a similar model would come Mm -hmm. to Winnipeg to fly pigs to Russia. What? Yes. Like the, (laughs) because of the pork industry. That is insane. I know. Like, and you could hear it taking off at night. Like I used to sleep over at my ex's, uh, in downtown Winnipeg and, the airport was on the west side of the city. So like quite a ways away, like, I don't know, a 20 minute drive or whatever. And at night with the windows closed, you could hear the plane taking off. It was that would loud. The, uh, would the pigs uh, squeal in unison? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Isn't it insane? Like, it's really crazy that that's a thing. There's just something to be said for the abundance and wealth this generation is living through. <laughs> That you fucking have to uh, ferry... Yeah, pigs. <laughs> like pigs. Around the world. Uh, would the... Uh, where, where from Canada? From Winnipeg. Would it, so would it go like the other way to Russia or... It would go like the polar route, I guess. So <laughs> like east or so west? Crazy. Like north. Like I think it would go over the North Pole. Wait, I... I'm having I'm having some like our <laughs> moment comprehension <laughs> issues. Like if you imagine uh, the globe and you went north from Winnipeg, yeah. But like if you were to fly from LA to Japan, you would go west, not east, right? You would go west, but that's because you're if you take a string on a globe and connect the two points, the curve, right, is like the closest point. And then the if you're going like. You know, if you were going like uh, straight north, you would cross the globe yeah. and end up in Russia. 
But if you went by the Sarah Palin <laughs> approach, you could like see Russia from the tip of Alaska. Basically. So wouldn't it make more sense to just fly that way? But then you would only end up getting to Eastern Russia, which it's such a huge country. You would I still, see. Yeah. Like if you were trying to get to like, I don't know, St. Petersburg or Moscow or something, right. you would like fly over yeah. the North Pole. Well, I guess uh, we owe a debt of a shout out to our short king, our short Jewish king, uh, Zelensky. Yes, king. For really, uh, really uh, setting a uh, unreasonable standard <laughs> for short Jewish yeah. Ashkenazi man. You're gonna have to be a real man now. <laughs> I mean, this is talk. Talk about vibe shift. It is a vibe shift. I mean, what are what are Zoomers gonna do now? Like, you're gonna have to like uh, hang up your your uh, pronouns. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, oh my god, where where is this taking us? I no mean, more tender is, queers. Is, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe some of the gender non-binary queers will start wearing fatigues now. Uh, Appearing in fatigues on their grinder profile. They are. They're wearing those um, Kylie Jenner fatigues that were like orange on orange with a crop the top. Amer- <laughs> the Amer- American Life era beret. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, he just followed Madonna on Instagram. Or sorry, on Twitter. Or is it Instagram? I can't remember. Ay, ay, ay. Oh. <sighs> Well, it's been quite the uh, quite the month. I mean, it's, it feels like every time we record, there's a uh, the ante's being upped <laughs> oh my God. drastically. Well, at least um, the pandemic's now officially over. So it is. It's formally over. Yeah, isn't the it? CDC like declared something today. So yeah, which good. Um, bigger fish to fry. I mean, I only know it's over because uh, our governor Hochul while lifting all the mask mandate restrictions and everything also uh implored people not to bully those who still choose to wear masks um wait so that's we'll exactly that what i was gonna do next time i was there yeah you were gonna be one of those people yeah um <clears throat> yeah well my yeah. parents said they think they had covid a few weeks ago my grandma had covid um, my How's other grandma doing, had way? COVID, <laughs> um, but everyone except one grandma was vaccinated. So the vaccinated ones were like, oh, we had some muscle pains, you know, and they're right. senior citizens. Yeah. Um, and then, well, my... I guess, I guess we never had COVID because we're that good looking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry that the handle of the, like the window crank just <laughs> came off. And someone's pulling out from the like driveway. Okay. Well, I, I hope you can drive a tank if push comes to shove. <laughs> Listen, I tried driving that manual <laughs> manual shift Jeep at the residency in Italy and got got God only knows and you the car just rolled back down the hill. <laughs> well, it is a halfway um military vehicle, albeit very gay. <laughs> Very gay. Like we, you know, it was not even that comfortable reaching like what, 70 kilometers an hour or whatever. 
yeah whatever, like driving uh, the city streets was problematic <laughs> no but like when we went on the uh on the autostrada at like <laughs> 70 kilometers an hour it felt like the thing would it didn't feel like it would like come apart but it just felt very like good vibrations yeah um well, apropos Italy, I uh, just wanted to extend a uh, shout out to Joy Behar. I hope she makes it. Uh, <laughs> what makes it to Tuscany in spite of the war? Have you been following that? No, I have no idea what's happening with her. The last thing I heard about the View was Whoopi being suspended, and nothing happened. Yeah, a lot has happened since the last time we recorded. Oh my god! Uh, no, she was she was lamenting on air that with the war now raging in Ukraine, she might have to cancel her trip to <laughs> oh my god. to Tuscany, which to begin with like took years to plan, and then COVID hit, and now Ukraine, and like this, this old Jewish lady just cannot catch her. She's break. not a Jew; she's just Italian and loud. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. God damn it, all these TV personalities need to stop, like, cosplaying my heritage. Oh, totally. She's such a yenta and um, not. God, this, I'm pissed. I know. It's like, what was that, what was that uh, meme years ago with the, like, the prom, not the prom, the Halloween costumes and your Halloween parties, not. Oh, my my, costume, yeah yeah oh joy behar is definitely putting on your costume <laughs> she is yeah i was also kind of surprised to uh find out that she's like 78 or something oh yeah she's pretty ancient but all these like tv personalities look so much like compared to like people who were in their 70s like what 20 years ago oh exactly who looked decrepit well and in other news wendy williams is not returning to television um still working on my candlelight vigil for that i mean I, at this rate she'll be returning herself to her maker oh, God. she does not seem well yeah i miss wendy i love wendy yeah I was well re- maybe we can uh embody the spirit of wendy on this podcast <laughs> keep the flame lit uh, we'll do trendy at Wendy, and we'll try to sell you guys random shit <laughs> at ninety percent off. <laughs> Shoe cam, <laughs> Jew cam, Jew cam. I'm currently sporting my white Adidas, um, my suede Adidas. Um, yeah. So what uh, what happened since the last time uh, we recorded? Just oh, to just to uh, update our, oh my our God. listeners on our our uh, many activities. Okay, so I was still in New York for another week. We had an amazing time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is the first time we've spoken on the phone since. By the way, sorry to spoil the magic. We're not in the same room right now for anyone that's tuning in for the first time. We're yeah. like Terry Gross on NPR. Um. Yeah, we had an amazing time. It was so nice. We did. And you're coming back. So yes, exactly. More fun. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm coming in about um two and a half weeks. Yeah. I mean we did uh there were a couple of things we uh, ended up not getting around to doing unfortunately such as even though we tried, we tried to uh get tickets to company. Mm-hmm. 
and we I tried taking you to the transit museum, my all time it's my favorite place in New York City, basically. Well, we can do it in two weeks. True. Um we didn't go to MoMA. I still need to see the new edition. Uh I mean sure. <laughs> if it happens, it happens. Yeah. Um I did not go to Panda Express. True. I uh, guess David is taking us to see Phantom of the Opera. No, he's taking us no, to see a, the fucking Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick play, which I don't even remember yes. what it's called. I'm Plaza Suite. so excited. I am very excited. Um, Thanks, and David. just like that, look, yeah, look how everything just uh, everything falls into place. I know. <clears throat> yeah. No. So then, okay, trip. I came back to Berlin. Uh, I've just been working uh, at home, trying to catch up on everything, dealing with the depressing weather and social climate. <laughs> Oh, I thought you said social climbing. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> then, then uh, had a nice spa day in Wrocław. Mm-hmm. Uh, then <laughs> drove to visit my parents and almost died in a car crash. Oh my god! Um, still shaken. Please just go to my Instagram, everyone, and see my most recent post. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I did not almost die. Thank God. But there was like a three car head on collision and it was just really shocking. Like I've never experienced something like this where it just right. seems completely unreal. What's happening in front of you where you don't even react because you're like, no, that definitely looked surreal. Yeah. And just like the way it happened, you're like, am I hallucinating right now? Like this can't be happening. It's so nuts. Like it just looked like CGI. Right. Um, so yeah, I was just like a bit rattled, um, and just emotionally exhausted from that and emotionally exhausted by everyone online right now. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I agree. Well, I do have a, I have a little surprise tonic for us, a little (gasps) impromptu (laughs) guess. Um, you want to introduce yourself? You want to say hi to our listeners? Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> oh Hi. 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 Who, whose voice is that? It sounds familiar. Who is that? This is Mr. Amir Guberstein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Miss, Mrs. Guberstein. <laughs> Mrs. Amir Guberstein. <laughs> Pani Guberstina. Exactly. Little pa- you can call me Pani. <laughs> Little Pachki of the pod. Oh my god, uh, it's still Ponchki day. Ponchki. Oh. Ponchki. The A with the little twist is on. Oh, I like okay, that. The don't, twist. Don't derail this podcast, please. Um, um, my name is Jordan. Yeah, we have a very special guest, um, husband of the pod. Yes. <laughs> Finally. Jordan, Jordan Nassar. Mm-hmm. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is that funny? You pronounce it correctly. I don't know. I mean, some of my family members get my, the spelling of my name wrong. Uh, American family members or just Americans in general who've known my name for years will mispronounce it. Nothing as bad as how they pronounce it in Germany, though. Amia? Amia. Amia. I like it. <laughs> used to hate it. 
Um, well, you're yeah. an OG listener, first time caller. I've so. literally listened to every single episode you've ever Thanks. made. Thank you. You're yeah, what many, are, how many people have listened to every episode? I wonder. Well, you don't really have a choice, but like, what is the? <laughs> what do you, no, but I'm. <laughs> excuse me, I do. Uh, what is the takeaway? The takeaway is that uh, if you listen to enough episodes, you will uh, have the honors of uh, coming on the pod. <laughs> yeah, true. I think the only like, person tied with you is Bart, brother of the pod. Brother. Well, yeah, so yeah. family members. Exactly. I mean, sorry, we, we have a uh, weekly listenership rate of, uh, not weekly, but like every time an episode comes out, we have an average of like, what, 250 people, like core listeners? Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell because, I mean, do they tell you, like, who is listening? Can you look at, like, who is No, listening? we don't. Well, we get uh, occasional feedback from desperate listeners. <laughs> we, <laughs> you know we, who we, you we truly, are. You're the real yeah, stars. We, I just wish you weren't <laughs> passive, silent listeners because we would love to get feedback from our, <laughs> our ardent supporters. I'll set up um, one of those survey mailouts that people mark as spam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe you should have like a sweepstakes or something. Oh my god, like a Wendy sweepstakes. What could we? Oh, you know what? We could uh, use that opportunity to get rid of some of the t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Win some of the t-shirts that Amir harasses me to get rid of. Um, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Well. I had an amazing time with you guys. It was so fun. So glad I got to see you at the I tail end like, of my trip. Yeah, I was like, I feel like it went by so fast, but I was only there for like a day <laughs> that you were there. Literally two days. <laughs> yeah. No, we had a lovely time. Um, yeah. Do we want to take this opportunity and uh, talk about some art? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Well, okay. <laughs> first so of all, Jordan, can you tell us about your show that's up right now? Yeah. Um... I have an exhibition that is currently open in Los Angeles. City um, of Angels. City of <laughs> Angels. At Anat Ebge Gallery's newest, actually no longer newest, but <laughs> their their um, primary space on Wilshire Boulevard. Uh, it's master space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and oh, I get it. And they, uh, yeah, it's like right across from LACMA. It's very convenient. Oh, nice. Um, and a few blocks away, my friend Diedrich Brackens has a show up at the Craft Contemporary. So it's, you know, multi-stop shopping. But um, yeah, the show's up now until the end of March-ish, like March 23rd or 26th or something. Um, and it is embroidered works and inlay woodworks. Um, which is like wood with inlay brass and mother of pearl. Um, yeah. And it took me a year to make the show. So if and you have, you have the callous skin to show. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, and they're and really beautiful. If you're in, if you're in the LA area, please swing by. Yeah. You should totally check it out. Uh, E Angelinos are out there. That's my plug. And, um, yeah, did you get to see any shows while you were in LA? I saw Diedrich Bracken's show at Craft Contemporary. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw you're, the you're well traveled. The, <laughs> the show that was up before mine in a not in a not Ebge's gallery. 
uh, I made it a point to see before they took it down before I installed mine, which was by Zoe Blue M painting new paintings by her that were insane and beautiful. Um, what else did I see? I feel like I did, but now I can't remember. <laughs> so you didn't make it quite that far. I was well. I spent the first two weeks in the wood shop every day, yeah. all day long. So which like, hats I really off because I have zero patience. So it's so I'm fun. Very, I'm very I, impressed. I love woodworking. Um, no, I, I, I just like I just love like studio life. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, where you get to be messy and like hang out all day and like I don't know eat snacks <laughs> i don't know okay but yeah so i had a lot of fun with uh i worked in with my friend noah cohen um master woodworker also if you're in is la a, and you a, need any woodwork or frames done for artwork yeah true he's the guy to hit up is he a real jew or is he like a joy behar jew <laughs> <laughs> what is a joy behar jew it's like a cosplay but she's yeah. not she's not she's not jewish really i just broke yeah, the I mean, news to amir before you yeah. came on that oh she's my God. not jewish i'm scandalized <laughs> yeah um <clears throat> no he's he's the opposite he's a true jew that was not really raised much around judaism but <clears throat> is a literal cohen and so like yeah you know and it's it's you know um as an adult i think him and his siblings have all <laughs> talked to me about um learning more because they're curious. Oh, you know what? Now that there's three of us, maybe we can I uh we can all be the Heim sisters. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, For some reason I thought you were gonna say we could sing row 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 your boat in a round. Um well if you had to be a Heim sister, which I literally would you don't be? know any of Okay, the Amir sisters. obviously just wants to be Alana. I get I'll it. Be Moshe. Yeah, you should be Moshe. Be Moshe should be the Why are you bringing a non-Jew to Shabbat dinner? <laughs> I guess not, none of you watched the movie, but uh, okay. Okay, I'm what, looking at them what, now. The, the, the high movie? No, the uh, Licorice Pizza ta- Paul Thomas Anderson oh, movie. Alana Haim brings a. Uh, oh right, okay. He's not. I don't even. I don't even know if no. He is Jewish, but he's a. Uh, he's. He like is against the whole concept of a uh, observing, et cetera, et cetera, and he makes a stink about it at the Shabbat dinner. And her father, I guess, who's a Jewish emigre, really gets upset over it. Wait, is it's this like a, really a biopic about Heim? <laughs> like, no, but he like uh, she was Josh Safdie's muse oh on Anka Jams. <laughs> my, f- <laughs> I mean, P- PTA wrote. <laughs> Um, Alana Haim was PTA's muse on Licorice Peta. Peta. And so he wrote the, <laughs> he wrote the role for her, and so she included her family in it. So. I wouldn't know a Haim if they uh, bit me in the butt. I'm the soccer player father. <laughs> the soccer player? Yeah, yeah. the, 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 the uh, dadager. <laughs> yeah, uh, playing soccer uh, while... Uh, on a reserve duty, reserve duty in <laughs> South Lebanon in 1982. Um, where am I going with this? I don't know. It was just because there's three of us. Oh, uh, yeah. We're, we're uh, uh, Women in Thoughts Part 3. I'm going to meme the hell out of this uh, episode. Okay. Can you please send that title to me so I don't forget? Okay. I will. Yeah. I'm looking at photos. I'm the broad-faced one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I, I tweeted the other week, like, wait, let me pull up that tweet because uh, I will not be able to paraphrase it as uh, elegantly as I wrote it. Hold on. Well, I will say Amir, your own tweet. <laughs> Amir introduced me to that album, uh, Women in Music Part 3, when I was undergoing a really difficult work moment, uh, working in a freezing garage for a week, trying to repaint a sculpture. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jordan had to step out for a minute. <clears throat> and Taking care of his mom. Yeah. yeah. And um, that and the Ariana Grande most recent album. Those got me through that project. Uh, yeah. You know what? I never got into Ari- 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 Ariana Grande. And you know how much uh, I love pop music. I know. Well, Jordan's out of the room right now. So you can yeah. talk all you want about Ari. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, where the hell? Oh, here's the tweet. If half your high school didn't look like the Heim sisters, did you even grow up in Israel? <laughs> dot, 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 question mark. <laughs> um, only Israelis will understand. I mean, half my high school girlfriends basically looked like the Heim sisters. And then the other half had that like scrunchy gel curl, like Aussie Naturals hair. Yeah. Oh, totally. The, the, like, the Pantene, the aggressive Pantene fragrance. Um, the Debbie Schultz Wasserman. Yeah, the, the wet look. The wet look. The, dr- the drenched look. It's like we used to call it the wet poodle look. Um, I mean, it is an iconic is why, look. It is, yeah. Which is why I find their partnership with taylor swift so offensive because it really like it waters down their like authentic sort of la jew kind of vibe yeah because taylor swift is like i'm not a fan of hers but like not of the music but the whole persona i find so unrelatable to me yeah because she's like so gorgeous and tall and skinny and beautiful but it's so like milk toast and like Parv, basically. <laughs> um, oh God. Wait, where do they grow up in LA? I need to know. Fairfax? <laughs> you know me, Cantor's I really don't Deli. know my LA. <laughs> it's like where Cantor's Deli is. <laughs> no, but like I was texting you the other day. I wonder if like Rock Nation can't like pay Alana to get a, her deviated septa, septum uh, <laughs> fix. She has such a gorgeously iconic like face. That to me is just so typical, like Israeli, um, and uh, yeah. Oh, um, they're from the valley, the San Fernando Valley, but it's unclear okay. where specifically. And I will say though, they they truly like a, uh, they really blossomed on that album because the first two ones were just really trying very hard to not rock the pop boat too much, and so. The melodies are like not too daring, and the production's a little parv too. But like the third album, they like really found their stride. Um, I really like that song they did with Calvin Harris. Oh yeah, you know, um, pray to God. Right. That is a banger. It is certified. Wait, who produced Women in Music Part Three? Oh, let me see. <clears throat> women and music i bet it was like a whole cadre of uh, producers 
Um, I'm sorry if I'm slow today, listeners. I'm just dealing with trauma. So, <laughs> listen. I saw a TikTok by uh, I didn't even catch what the guy uh, does really, but like it was all about public speaking, and he just like insisted, like really like etching into your like thought process that you should just talk slowly because mm-hmm. when you talk slowly you can really like fully complete your thoughts you end up like injecting less of o's and m's and ahs and um and that is why all those thought leaders on stage sound so <laughs> persuasive and smart uh, i mean i'll <laughs> I will I will say I was telling you that for the whole Ukraine coverage I turned to uh I turned to a BBC just because they're way more like understated and stoic in their whole presentation of the situation where CNN is just such like oh psychotic it it is psychotic but at the same time like watching the the pressers of like uh uh Ursula what's her name von der Leyen von der Leyen and some other like i forget the guy's name i guess he's spanish but he's in the like european union congress or whatever like listening to them talk is just such a snoozer i mean they're They're like eu technocrats to the max they are but it's it's interesting because they're like not beholden to the like insane american like political entertainment sort of industry so they don't have to like put up a show and they make like grand proclamations but like this week they like they dropped some like major news in the pressers, but they delivered it in such a like understated way mm-hmm. where you're like, okay, what what did I just listen to? I had to like, I had to open up the New York Times to see it in like huge lettering, yes. bold to like f- fully let it sink in. Um, sorry, there I am umming again. <laughs> no, I like Wait, listening. So what's the, oh, sorry. What's the conclusion? Who produced uh, the? Hanukkah? Oh, Ariel Reichside, who did like Sky Ferreira and. Who else? Uh, Adele, Brandon Flowers, Vampire Weekend, Usher, Diplo, mm-hmm. Kalelas, Snoop Lion. I guess they mean Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie XCX. I mean, that's a 50% for me. Uh, yeah. Carly okay. Rae jo- Jordan is Jordan is back in the room, by the way. Sorry hey. about that. Hey, Jay. There was an escaped dog. <laughs> was Which it Kasha? Ours? <laughs> no, Sable. Oh, okay. One of my brother's dogs got out and I had to get the dog back in. I miss um, Kasha. What, what, are some, uh, what are some crunchy art topics we can discuss with Jordan and <laughs> use this opportunity when we have a, uh, an outsider on the What pod? did you discuss already? Who produced the Heim album? <laughs> no, okay. no, seriously. Of, but any of these things? No, nothing. It's just a couple of tabs I have open. I was going to ask you how you feel about the alleged vibe shift that's coming up, but I feel like you would. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, is there a vibe yeah, shift? That's, that's what I thought you would say. Like, what is the vibe shift? What vibe? <laughs> where does it? Uh, where does it harken back to? Like, there was a New York Times article, or what was? I it? think it was uh, the cut, which is where like all annoying stories oh, originate. <laughs> Was that on the drift? <laughs> oh yeah, I I heard it's a literary journal, and that's where I close the tab. <laughs> <laughs> I was just shocked that. Uh, well, can you can you give some background about the drift uh, 
Me? Because I wanted to say something. Yeah, like what is the drift? And I don't know. I said about? I closed the tab. I heard it's like oh, the okay. new young, you know, like against the establishment literary journal, which I'm just like snooze close. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, the New York Times published in their Sunday section a uh, a profile about these two uh, uh, these two literary editors who established a uh, a journal, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, a couple of years ago, calling called the, the Drunk and it's Canal. Like, oh my god! <laughs> and they like allegedly go against the grain of like uh, current thought and like leftist circles and whatever, but. Uh, Anyways, they're like in their 20s and it just seems really parv. I'll use that term again. <laughs> Not that interesting. But and also it's just like filled with like young writers in their 20s who have just just discovered like Susan Zontag or something and will like gladly pontificate about it about her to you as if you have never heard about her. Have you heard you about know, on photography? <laughs> Anyways, but at some point in the articles, they talk in the article they talk about their like uh, their hangout spot, that bar we went to in Brooklyn with Rebecca. Oh, oh guys Charlene's, Charlene's, which I Charlene. enjoyed. Yeah, I enjoyed too. But it's just so funny that you go places totally randomly, and it, it turns out it's like a mainstay for like the glitterati of that scene or whatever <laughs> which the bar just seemed very normative and um fine <laughs> yeah is there a bocce ball no no it just it looked like a bar that would be on like um how i met your mother <laughs> right it's just crazy it's crazy that they basically founded this publication with you know, the direct inspiration from Chapo Trap House and Red Scare, <laughs> which they mention. Oh, a Putin apologist Red Scare. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as seen yesterday on the stage at the SAG Awards, <laughs> accepting a, an award for a succession. Anyways, uh, should we talk about some art? <laughs> How did we even get here? Oh, yeah, the vibe the shift. The vibe shift. Um, well, there's a large scale invasion happening so i guess that's the vibe shift yeah well the original um, article i guess was on the cut and it was just a bunch of zoomers claiming there's a vibe shift coming yeah, because people want to dress and, like um 2005 like misshapes hose or something now oh my god i was gonna say <laughs> jordan I don't did you say ever anything. go to a misshapes party <laughs> um technically no but when I was in, when I was living in Tokyo, that was like during the time that Misshapes was like really popular. Yes. And was like there would be like guest people in Tokyo that yes. were like from Misshapes or something. <laughs> I feel like, but I never really like knew what that was. I first I mean, heard oh, of it. K-hole, remember? Yeah, K-hole. It's mentioned in this article that Amir has pulled up. An eight ball, too. Oh, no, that's just a sub stack. I mean, I went to parties out of shape. Does that count? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but the first time I... Wait, I think the first time I heard of Misshapes was when Madonna appeared to promote Confessions oh on the Dance Floor. <laughs> oh, my God. She's such a uh, trailblazer. Totally. And then it was like an unavoidable party. Like, even in Winnipeg, you would just yeah. see, like, Misshapes coverage everywhere. But those online. those fucking, like, deep Vs by American <laughs> oh Apparel. You had some. <laughs> <laughs> um i did yeah i should look up the pictures from berlin in 2007 
Yeah. Anyway, vibe shift. I still don't know what vibe shift means. So apparently, uh, so we went like from Normcore, which K-Hole, you know, made that PDF about. Right. And then we went to like apparently a Hypebeast, Woke era or something. I don't know how the two go together. But I'd say it's more like we're in like an art ho, Balenciaga thing. The trends are changing as trends do. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So why is this different than any other anytime? Because I think they're trying to sort of, uh, I think they're they're trying to make it happen, predict it. Yeah. Yeah, They're trying to make it happen. And as I was telling P earlier, I feel like in America these days, nothing happens without someone trying to sell you something. (laughs) So I'm just, I'm, I'm suspicious of any, this whole, like a vibe shift is coming. (laughs) Sounds very like Y2K 2012. (laughs) Yeah. Like this um, impending, not doom necessarily, but like, you know, impending thing that you're like, okay. Yeah. I feel like it'll come, the five shift will come and go and we won't notice. <laughs> but I also don't think like Normcore was actually a thing. It was more like people just wore, it was just like a continuation of irony in a way. It's like, oh, look at these dad shoes. They're so ugly. You know, like the basic Nikes or something. I don't think it was... <laughs> This big thing. Um, sorry, I'll, I'll say it again. I think the youth are <laughs> Zoomers are doomed because <laughs> doomers. We call them doomers. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, they're really not exceptionally bright. <laughs> they have constructed sh- such a like constricted form of existence for themselves. But I feel like every generation has always said that about the generation. Sure. I, I accept the, uh, <laughs> I accept the retort only in this case, they've like, they've constructed a reality for themselves where like they can't even have fun. Like usually older generations would complain that the next generation is like too promiscuous, too like progressive, too liberal. But can you really say that about zoomers? They seem like they've like, they didn't even get the short end of the stick. They they like gave themselves the short end of the stick on purpose. I don't know. When everyone, whenever anyone younger than me says anything, I'm just always like, wait till you're my age. Exactly. I don't even listen to them. That's what I mean. I'm just like, I don't care what you're saying. Just wait till you're my age and we can talk about it. Meaning like, just shh. But what if they threaten you with cancellation? That's the That's the power they can leverage level these days. I feel like even that, like we're in like a put, like that's not a fate worse than death anymore. That's part of the vibe shift, apparently, that you can't be canceled. Right. People are like, cancel me and, and enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> like, well. I think I saw like some meme that was like a girl on the subway reading a thing, being like, "What is what to do, or like what to do when you're like." I was canceled. What's next? Or something like that. Wait, was that a subway ad? No. (laughs) I don't remember. Is there like an app now that you can pay a subscription to to get uncanceled? Well, I mean, all you have to do is delete Instagram and then you're not canceled anymore. (laughs) Wait, Shamik, can you, as a part of your training, design an app (laughs) subscription based that. it's like a connoisseur, not a connoisseur, a concierge service to uncancel people. <laughs> like like someone writes positive medium articles about you. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Wait, let's let's throw some hot potatoes and join the throw hot, I want hot potatoes. Okay, let's do let's do like a speed uh, round, lightning uh, round, lightning round. Um, okay, Whitney Biennial, upcoming Whitney Biennial. Are you excited for it? No, <clears throat> I'm against biennials. Oh my okay. gosh! Thank you. That's my campaign. No more biennials. It's just like elaborate, please. Well, it's enough. It's just it's like. I don't even know like where to begin. It's like these things are either not actually curated, but, um, you know, just a random category of person. So like greater New York, where it's like people based in New York or it's like X, Y, Z, you know, like made in L.A. where it's just people who live in L.A. So like, so that is not curation. That is like, that's like having a show of all women or having a show of all like POC artists or like whatever it is, like. It's just a category. It's not a curated exhibition, first of all. Second of all, with the Whitney Biennial specifically, I'm not, like, trying to be a hater. I'm just saying, like, the whole, the whole, you know, premise is that it's, like, what art is today. Like, a survey of, like, today. But then there's, like, artists who are not even alive anymore, and there's artists who are like have been in it for 10 years straight and it's like et cetera et cetera we're just kind of like okay like how is this a specific thing about current contemporary art but then at the same time it's also like is that is that is it proper to like curate an exhibition so to speak around what is contemporary cuz i don't know if that is a curatorial like premise or thesis you know like curating when it actually is curating essentially the way that I see it is curating is like writing an essay where your thesis statement is like what you're curating the show about. And then instead of writing a paragraph that gives each separate argument, each artwork that you would include would, so to speak, be one of these quote unquote paragraphs in your essay. And so the show itself becomes about something else using the artworks to like, extract that and kind of make this other thesis statement so it adds a layer on top of whatever the each artwork is doing itself the amount of shows that are curated as such are like one in every hundred million <laughs> exhibitions <laughs> like that's not how curating is actually executed um and so these shows for me are not interesting at all like Things are too disjointed. Nothing is actually about something. And there's a lot of stuff that I don't even consider art that is included. And and I personally, I mean, obviously now I'm ranting, but like <laughs> I personally don't, I'm not interested in questioning what is art through the medium of art. Like it's not interesting to me. It's like questioning what is music by like pounding and banging on a piano. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is not... I don't. I just. I'm not interested. Wait, but in. Uh, I mean, arts. It's like when they had. <clears throat> like when they had in the last Whitney Biennial, or maybe it was two ago. Like that. That wall of you know pie charts and facts and figures, oh and this is like this is an artist collective making work about this political thing, and it's like this is not work. This is like pie charts and a graph. This is like a PowerPoint. Like I just like this is not. Yeah, I just write an essay about art it. to me. About, I'm sorry. You know. But are you talking about art that is self-referential in terms of the art history it includes in its message? Or are you talking about art that simply sort of exceeds 
the genre boundaries that we are used to, such as painting, sculpting, well, it's not about the genre it's or the about, medium. <clears throat> for me, it's not about the genre or medium. It's about the, I guess the the point or the 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 the, the purpose of making this this art and. I personally, I don't know, like, obviously a lot of it is my taste, but I just find what is popular, what is consistently popular over, I guess, our adult life is things that, like, challenge or question what art is or make people feel like they're, like, so experimental and smart for, like, even considering this, like, artwork. Like, it's subver- and, subversive. Right. Yeah. And, like, su- like everyone's trying to subvert. Yeah. Everyone's trying to, like, be different. And it's, like, that, honestly, to me, is, like, in a way, lazy. It's, like, it is much more staggering of a... Mo- of, of a it, is, it is, like, much more ballsy to me to pick up a paintbrush. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can try to convince me you're a genius with some installation or a bunch of garbage or, like, whatever you want to do, but I'm not going to be convinced. Like, I want to see art. And art is not, like, art is important and art is a part of our lives, but art is not this concept that we should constantly rehash. Like, art is kind of a defined thing, and participating in that is is like choosing to write piano music you've chosen a a a medium like it's not you don't have to constantly obsess over like challenging what is everything like you can you're allowed to just participate in something that is what it is right yeah and like i like art that is like a sculpture a painting something on the wall like i don't want to read an essay i don't want to watch a movie i don't want to sit through a performance horrible theater it sounds like you're (laughs) It sounds like you're saying you'd rather sit through a, like a a Schubert recital as opposed to a, a, a debut of a new Philip Glass opera. Absolutely. I mean, Philip Glass is not even the best example. I'm talking about like super modern classical where it's like challenging tonality and stuff. You're just like, this is not music. I'm sorry. Like, I, it's I, sound. I, a little bit. The I, difference between sound and music. There's a difference. Yeah, I agree. There's a difference between like, like if you're into piano, piano composition, there are certain boundaries that you exist within. So why suddenly make it about like noise and sound art? Okay, but here's, in that context. And, and this, can I just make my favorite example, which is that, okay, when it comes to classical music, as we know, I like basically Baroque through, I guess, early romantic, but like it starts to push it with romantic music because you know, Baroque and, and, and classical period, classical music are all about the structure, right? It's all about r- these rules, like what a sonata is. It has a theme. It repeats. It, you know, it has these certain structures that make it a sonata. And then someone like Beethoven comes along and by just pushing against the boundaries of it, but not breaking them, but just pushing against them, that's what makes it genius. And that's what makes it moving and that's what makes it you know we still listen to it today right but once you throw the rules out to me there's nothing like there's no opportunity to push the boundaries because there's no boundaries and that to me becomes very quickly uninteresting right and i feel like that can go for visual art as well it's like if you're gonna throw out everything that you've understood art to be 
the baby with the bathwater. Then it's like, okay, what are you doing? Then we're literally looking at a pile of garbage in the middle of a fancy gallery and someone trying to tell me this is artwork. And I'm like, I don't care. And also it's been rehashed you know I mean? for decades already. It's like you're not breaking yeah, new ground. By doing exactly. That. The first person to paint a canvas all white was a genius. Yeah. The second person and everyone since them is a bore. Yeah. And like that goes for every genre of everything. <laughs> like yeah. it's like part of the you can get away with stuff if it's a novelty, like the first person who does it. Yeah. If they like literally invent something new. Yeah. But beyond that, that is not to me what persists. And also that's not what art is about. For me, art is about like sharing in humanity and a human experience and sharing life and emotion and like being a human being with each other. Like, and it's about that connection. It's not about criticizing economic structures of society. It's not about like, you're telling me that there was room in a culture for, uh, I don't know how many hundreds of years to like depict through portraiture, the relation between the sublime, the godly and the, like the, the earthly but there's no room for like i don't know detritus on the floor being like perfected in sculptural form over like the coming 200 years like why not it's just like you've seen one pile of garbage you've seen them all <clears throat> i mean it needs to be a good pile of garbage if it's gonna be a pile of garbage yeah uh, I, don't know. I mean, but Jordan, you also mentioned that it, you think it takes a lot of courage to pick up a paintbrush, yeah. but like something that we often sort of deride or just generally criticize on this podcast is the just the overabundance of what seems to be like easily accessible like painting practices, mm-hmm. basically, that if anything, don't elevate the medium, but kind of bring it down a notch or two. Right. But it is easier still, in my opinion, to come up with some concept and argue it via press text rather than argue it via painting it and like letting the work speak for itself. Do you know what I mean? So you're essentially arguing for an, uh, an aesthetic value that's to be recognized upon like first no. glance. What I mean is, okay. When basically what I mean is like when like I I want everything in an artist. I want there to be I want the I want whatever they make. It's visual art, right? I want it to be, as I say, something to look at. It's visual art. It's supposed to communicate by you looking at it. Okay, so that removes basically a lot of a lot of stuff. But then also <laughs> I want there to be meat on the bones. I want there to be some concept going on. I want there to be something deeper to explore and learn more about. So the the visual should be like the hook that gets you more interested in learning more. I'm not saying you have to understand everything about the artwork just by looking at it, but like the visual should be something to look at. But the other thing is I want to respect the craft and the craft does not, I don't mean like craft work media. I mean like painting as craft, drawing as a craft, even photography, which let's not go there, but (laughs) like even that can be impressively mastered as a craft. Right. And I look for that too, because there's a gajillion artists out there. So why not? look like expect it all or nothing like or get out of here you know like I want and so I feel like there's a lot that gets you know 
include or just gets shown that actually is missing important one of these important you know cornerstones of what artwork should be like either it has a great idea and you know is but it's not much to look at or it's you know important but it like doesn't have a I don't know you know what I mean like I just feel like they should have all anyway I rarely see anything in these kind of big shows that is benefiting at all from being in the show like I'd rather see for the stuff that is that I like I'd rather see just like more work by that artist than rather just like one thing in a huge survey show but the other thing is like these shows I don't even like you know they at the at this point in time they just serve as like a kind of a conduit no they just serve as like a either like a like a like a like an expression of how exclusive this is and who's in and who's out so you don't think it serves as a conduit no a higher a higher level of professional absolutely standing i well i'm I'm, no I, i sure like it leads to more opportunities for the people included but when i see the list of people in a whitney biennial i don't think wow, these artists must be great. I think, how did that person get in? Like, who is pulling what yeah. string to get this person into this winning biennial? Because it's literally that. It's just about the red carpet, the red, what is it called? Like, the velvet rope, whatever. Like, that's literally what it's about. It's about who you know and who is, like, you know. Who's gunning for you. Advocating for yeah. you and what, and and don't, let's not pretend that art is not a commercial world. Like, actually embrace that, but that should also mean understand that in situations like this, who different people are collecting that are involved in these institutions, I swear, plays a part. But Jordan, just to play devil's advocate, art historically has been operating within a patron's patron system. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that it it shouldn't or doesn't. I'm saying let's not pretend this is a survey of like the most important contemporary art right now. Because that's not what this yeah, is. It, a lot this of people. Is, this is a VIP show. Yeah. For people who have a lot of support right now, that's the marketing line. <laughs> that's the real. It's like who line. appears on the MTV VMAs. It's like which label is pushing whoever. Right. Yeah. Totally. And sometimes it's the, the same. Sometimes the like headliners. I'm like, who, yeah. who is this person? Yeah, you're like, okay, who's paying Doja Cat like all this money? Um, yeah. Right. But that's what I mean, though. And, and that, that this is the issue I have with these things is that the art world is one of the, I feel like it's one of the only realms that refuses to just rec- like to be tr- real about what is going on. Because yeah. there's nothing wrong with what's going on. What's wrong is casting it as though it's about the most important artwork yeah in the world right now when it's not it's about the most commercial new york scene right now and let it be that don't pretend like it's this important academic or institutional thing that is about art history or something because it is not no it's not like and as i said before like there's been great stuff in you know in any whitney biennial that i've seen in person there's always some things that are great artists that i really love in them that's but it's so, but it's, it's always a nice surprise to come across something yeah something that's not like just belabored and essay-esque and uh lacking any yeah. aesthetic sort of appeal yeah like and it, honestly i mean maybe this comes down to taste as well but it is always the simple things that you're like it's such a breath of fresh air at these things because there's so many people trying to like do way too much in this, you know, 
because they have this platform or something and it's just like not I don't know it's a whole bunch of noise like I don't I'm not really interested in um in all that and like I yeah and because you know there's artists we know in there that are like "Mm, okay cool I just feel like it's it's you know as we said before it's half market half popularity contests yeah like you know it's just like okay I this doesn't would you would you change your tune if you were to be invited to participate in the next iteration? I mean, if they, I mean, I'm not. I mean, it's my business. I'm. It would probably be a bad business decision to be like, no, thank you. Would you pull your work if it came out that one benefactor or whatever was complicit in no a, uh, because arms everyone... <laughs> arms sales to oh IDF that or... shit? Like, I understand why people do that or whatever you want to send a message and like once you're accepted into the biennial then you suddenly have this power that like it means something if you remove your work and whatever i get it blah blah blah. but like people really like as a palestinian american people really go way too far with this stuff because it's like i literally get like dms forwarding me like artist pledges not to like engage with this or that and i'm like Okay, but like you have a phone, you use Google because that's like developed in Israel. You pay your rent in New York City. That's probably going to a management company that is supporting all sorts of horrible things. Do you pay taxes in America? Then let's be quiet. Like, so I don't see why suddenly an artist has to give up this opportunity to send a message when everyone else gets to go on supporting their whatever rich people that are, you know, going to Home Depot and, like, yeah, supporting yeah. anti-gay stuff or going to, as I said, Google is, like, bought Waze, which was developed in Israel. Like, you wouldn't have GPS without Israel. Like, so don't try to tell me I need to boycott this or that because as an artist, like, why should I already, with an already volatile, you know, career where there's no guarantee of sales tomorrow, I also have to be the one in the spotlight trying to make a statement when, like, where, and then and then be called out if I don't, right? That's the issue I have. And so, like, you know, I think I think the artists that, you know, everyone can do what they want, but like, I don't hold anything against the artists that don't pull out of a biennial or something because of some board member. Because it's like, yeah. are you going to pull out of your apartment because of your management company's like donations? No. Yeah. So like, let me just do my job and try to make a living. Well, like, usually those people trying to bully are like rich kids that actually don't ever have to work. So it doesn't right. even matter if they have a also. career or not. Like, <laughs> or people who just expect like this one thing you have to. Yeah. And everything yeah. else is like whatever, like not realistic. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, mm, that's not fair. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, but but on a on from a constructive, let, let me like flip it around constructively. These are the things that are not going to change, you know, these major situations such as Israel and Palestine. Like what is going to change is consistent, like grassroots political work, actually like canvas, like getting vote, like who are your local representatives affecting those elections Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth, like actual work. Not just like a vanity project, like for some attention that you're, you're a martyr for boycotting an art show like that is not actually going to do anything and if you want to do something i expect like you should like like you should be i mean i was i'm involved with the dsa 
not really because I'm like literally a socialist as much as because it just has an infrastructure for some Palestine advocacy work. And, you know, why start from scratch? Like they have a pal- the mm-hmm. different Palestine working groups and whatever. And I, for a while, was like begging people on my Instagram, all these people who like are constantly, you know, being shady if I don't speak out about this or that or like whatever it is begging people to come to these DSA meetings and start getting involved actually in the real world, not on the internet. Yeah. And, and by the way, these are not physical meetings. These were on zoom. You yeah. can't zoom for a half hour from your house. Guess how many people joined over months of me begging Two, and they're both yeah. Palestinian American. So like, you know, oh, sorry, I'm getting way off track. All <laughs> I mean to say is I'm not really that into biennials. <laughs> I agree. I think they're completely random. And that's what's been happening for years now, where it's the same artist. A few new artists are sprinkled in. And it doesn't matter what kind of like the thesis is or the theme or anything. It all ends up looking the same and being the same. Yeah. And as and as an artist, as you both also know, like, I would so much rather have a solo exhibition in a small gallery where I get to like craft a whole exhibition and shape it how I want. Yeah. Like that is about, that's like my work. Having a piece included in a show with a hundred other artists is literally about nothing but the artist list and like, you know, the VIP red carpet moment. Yeah. So like that, that is what it's about, period. Like it's, don't pretend it's about this important show or something. It's literally, uh, it's like a gala or something. You know what I mean? Like it's just a social calendar event Let's not pretend it's anything else. Yeah. I mean, the the level of pretense is just extremely telling. I mean, if you set if you set out to start a process that's just so pretentious, I, uh, I mean, with the aim of changing culture or what have you, I don't know. Um, what are some uh, positive trends that are uh, or p- some positive sort of a um, occurrences? Or directions that the art world is taking in 2022, Jordan? I'm thinking... Um, like, if you compare the uh, art world in 2022 to 10 years ago, what are some achievements or what is some progress that, that's been made? Hmm. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> well, no. I mean, I, I... I feel like the manner in which a lot of this stuff is done is very extreme. But I do feel that the focus on, you know, uh, not just diversity, but like actual multi-level, all-level diversity, more than diversity, like like black POC, women, like all that stuff, queer, like that definitely has changed a lot, actually. And the fact that larger and larger platforms and it's just more ubiquitous that these things are even considered is progress whether it gets there's moments where it goes too far and is like kind of a caricature of itself is besides the point but like in general i would say that that's a really good thing that's happened and um and it's not about not having the art world be about exclusivity and vip it's just about including more people in that (laughs) more diverse people in that it's still exclusive for like the chosen few, mm-hmm. but at least it's literally like 
Trump, you know, like the this Werner, like fifty, whatever, what is it, fifty two Walker, Walker, 52. yeah, um, like stuff like that, where it's like that is some kind of progress. It's still completely in the commercial exclusive red carpet realm, but is also this new diversity that we're you know having. So like, I think that that's not a bad thing. Um, it just feels to me like the product is getting ever more luxurious. Uh, mm-hmm. And a little, like a bit more people get to have a slice of. Well, that it's a. Pie, I but, mean, uh, yeah, but it's a luxury industry. It is a luxury. Industry. It always has been, and embrace it. Actually, it, love it, it. it not. It, it hasn't always been a luxury industry in the sense that it's accessible to anyone with the means to have it. I mean, the, like the artisans of back in the day would have to, like, you know, court a sponsor or right, a benefactor. So, but I would consider that luxury. <clears throat> Like, if you lived as a painter in the Renaissance, you, that was a luxury. Yeah, but they weren't, like, for them, it was, like, an all-encompassing sort of 24-7 life's work. It wasn't, like, the bohemian sort of version that it is today with the travels and the pampering and the, well, I, I don't know. And the sweepstakes sort of mentality <laughs> where it's a winner-takes-all kind of. No, I think it's superficial. I think that it was, it's been the same. It's just been professionalized in a different way now. It's like, yeah, but, but like everything has, everything's different now because of technology and, you know, airplanes and stuff. It's just like so much more is possible. Um, But I think that the crux of it, it is still, it's a luxury to be an artist and you're providing a luxury good, which is like stuff that people don't need and you could argue that you need art, but that's not what we mean here. I know. No, no, it's like they're actual it. objects like, that people are survive. buying, and it's a luxury to have them. Yeah. Um, well, another question I have for you, since uh, we, the three of us, got to live in Berlin, <laughs> and uh, we've lived in the States now for a few years, and Pshamek is, uh, should, should I make a spoiler here? <laughs> planning on moving to the states anyways my question to you jordan is how how would you compare and contrast the two experiences as both an artist and as somebody who's worked as an art professional in berlin and also here in new york how would you compare the uh well it's also it's tricky because i'm comparing new york now with berlin 10 years ago but which you have a sense of berlin Berlin now and 10 years ago are two totally different places yeah, like I don't actually. Wait, have are, you a concept. Be, are you being facetious, Pete? No, it really has changed. No? It's not like okay. you mean the art, the art uh, world, the art world, the city in general, like just the way things have gotten more expensive, right? Like I don't know anyone that just like doesn't work like it used to be. <laughs> Remember, right, right. <laughs> do they still have hot sphere? They do, yeah, and it's like no money and um. Yeah, I don't but know. Jordan, sh- shed some, shed yeah, shed some, some light, light on your experience. Well, all uh, I can tell is our experience, which is that as an art professional in 2012 when I left, or no, I left in 2013, I guess, um, I was working in some really great galleries in Berlin. and One of them was really great. Niels Borschensen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that space was imploded. amazing. Yeah. yeah. It kind of imploded in a funny way, but their program no, was solid. No, but it, it wasn't even, it was like gossip, actually. Drama. It was that the Danish, because Niels Borschensen himself is a Danish print, master printmaker, and he had a gallery space. So he makes the prints in, in Denmark, 
with in collaboration with artists and we're talking like Oliver Leas and Tacita Dean Douglas Gordon like Per Kirkby like major major artists he only works with and does like print editions with them um sometimes unique prints like monotypes whatever uh but he's like you know old type prints like master prints and then the space in Berlin was a gallery to show these prints but just like as as proper exhibitions like one artist at a time putting on a show right in collaboration with a uppity german no but so that so the partner in berlin was a german woman who was the gallerist and partner of neil's right and essentially what happened when i was working there is that they broke up and closed the gallery in berlin but really i learned later neil's wanted her out and then he reopened the gallery himself alone. wasn't it like a thief in the night type of yeah thing? the lock change like i remember that so all the prints back and whatever anyway it was drama but it's still a great gallery you'll find them in our basel etc like they're always you know they're they're really great but anyway the point is i was look so when that closed to albeit temporarily i was out of a job and i i i interviewed at a few different galleries through some connections um and all of even like Esther Shipper, I, I I interviewed Esther Shipper and was offered a position, but was told like this position is beneath you. You're way too experienced for this position, but no other position is available. And you know that sounds like a normal thing, but in actuality, the position was filled by I don't even remember who, but someone who was like barely doing anything and doing like the bare minimum. And the bosses God. were like okay with that because it's Germany, and they were like or Berlin, and they were just like yeah, everyone just does the bare minimum, and that's all we expect. And so I, as like a overachieving American, maybe. <laughs> Was just like, I want to go somewhere where, like, if I'm not going above and beyond, I'm fired. Like, I want to go somewhere where it's competition like that because that's healthy. To me, that's healthy competition, right? Like, you're doing something that you're excited about and you just want to, like, do more and you want to, like, and maybe it's unhealthy, whatever. But, like, when when the thing you're doing is, like, working with artists and hanging up a cool show and stuff, like, that's fun. Like, that's not, like, I really want to do spreadsheets all day at an accounting firm. Like, that's not, you know what I mean? It's not, like, just working for the sake of work in, like, that American way. I mean, like, this is, like, potentially a really fun industry and you get to be around, like, amazing people and, like, blah, blah, blah. So, like, why would you not answer your phone after 5 p.m. on a weekday? Because, <laughs> like, in Germany, it's, like, they clock out and they're done. And I'm like, in America, we don't do that. And it's not because we are workaholics, but it's because especially when you're doing an exhibition or something, it's like time is of the essence. If you just stay on top of stuff, everything runs smoothly. But if you wait from Friday afternoon till Monday morning to get back to someone, stuff starts to get complicated. And I just just read that they shortened the work week in Belgium to four days instead of five. Good luck. (laughs) Anyway, my point is we came back to New York partially because we were like just over Germany in general. But for me, it was also like I want to like be in a serious working environment where like people are successful and go above and beyond and like climb the ladder and like and like, you know, the stakes because in a sense, it's like in Berlin, the stakes are just low. True. And so there's. How, how it's like that, low risk, low gain. How does that reflect? And New York is, sorry, just I want to say like New York is like, it's the big leagues. And so it's like, it's high, high risk, but like high payoff. But how does that pertain to the career of an artist in those two spheres? 
Berlin, New York, how would you apply that? Well, the way that I see that is like, you know, because I was just talking to someone else also about like she wants to move maybe to Mexico City after she finishes art school to just like have some time. Mexico City being like another Berlin in that sense of like a cheaper place that's like kind of slower paced and you can have more time as, an, as a young artist to like make artwork. And I was saying like, yeah, we did that in Berlin. That was great. But like at the same time, like Berlin, Mexico City, these are places, sorry, okay, I'm a New Yorker, it's the center of the world for me, <laughs> but like, in, it's like, if you make it in Berlin, you made it in Berlin. If you make it in New York, you like make it everywhere. I disagree about Mexico City. Mexico City has a, 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 wide, a farther reach outside of its boundaries and borders than No, but I'm, I'm, ju- I'm not just talking about Mexico City. Talk about LA, talk about like, I don't know, London, whatever, like nowhere is New York. And like, that is, that's what I mean by like, it's high stakes. You're going to struggle a lot more as an artist in New York because everything's more expensive. You're going to have to have much more time consuming day jobs, whatever, whatever. It's harder. But like, if you hit it right and you start showing and you start selling, it can go really quickly and you'll be supporting yourself like with your artwork. And it's, it's that higher payoff is what I mean. It's like, whereas in Berlin, it's lower stakes. You're not risking as much. It's easier to support yourself. But also, like, there's not a lot of collectors. Galleries are always complaining. They don't really sell a lot, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, so it's like, you're not, you're also not likely to, like, make a bunch of money and, like, be able to support yourself. Well, so it's kind of. Go ahead. No, no, no. Finish up. Uh, sorry, your thoughts. No, no, no. That's oh. what I was going to say. Oh. Is that, like, it's just, yeah. I was just going to say, well, Berlin has gone so expensive now. Like, I'm really lucky to still be paying low rent. But, I mean, I'm like my brother and his girlfriend are going to move back into that place, blah, blah, blah. It's like if I was looking for a one-bedroom apartment now, it would probably be like 1300 bucks or something, you know? Right. Um, if you're, like, trying to get just a room now, it would be like 550 or 600 Where, like, you could move to New York and pay 1000 a month, you know, for, like, a room sharing right. with people. And you're going to make way more money working that day job because like you right. still have that's to true. work unless you're like your parents are paying your way. But like, that's true. I mean, how much does a babysitter earn in New York? Like a lot. I mean, I will say one one thing positive about Europe or Germany uh, in particular is that it's significantly less of a materialistic uh, culture, which is sort of uh you endure it here, but it, it, it does sort of, um, I don't know, it grinds on you after a certain... What do you mean? I mean, it's just, it's, the U.S. is just so I materialistic. I just, I just think of I mean, the German, so like, <laughs> you know, the uniform of, like, the Hermes belt. <laughs> and, like, the, you know, like, that is expensive. But again, know, but things have something... changed, seriously, things have changed in Berlin. It's like... Yeah, I mean, as I said, we're, we're in a time warp. We're, time warp. We're talking about Berlin, like, 12 years, yeah. 10, 11 years ago, 10 years ago. But now it's like, you know, you go to openings, and it's like, why does everyone have, like, Balenciaga sneakers on and stuff? Like, how... Right. You're spending, like, 600, 700 bucks on shoes? Like, But, I mean, real. to me, the, Euro- the European-American... Um, I don't know, contrast will forever be the sort of BBC or like Sky News <laughs> versus CNN kind of difference. There's just, um, I don't know. America is exhausting 
I will say that. I, I mean, no, life is exhausting. What do you want? Germans are exhausting. Sorry, Germans. Yeah, as it's though not, Germans not aren't you. exhausting. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I was more bothered by the sense of stagnation in my life in Germany. Having said that, I wasn't sort of a uh, fully formed graduate graduate in uh, in Germany, so I didn't get to fully sort of live out my life. But like, um. Yeah, that sense of stagnation doesn't really exist, I guess, in New York because there's always more to be had. And in Germany, it feels capped or sort of the glass ceiling is very visible. Um, I think I'm just reaching the point in life where I want to just live somewhere warm by the beach. Like, I don't care. We should move to the North Sea in Germany. <laughs> That's not warm. <laughs> um, to to Rostock. <laughs> yeah, oh I'll move to Rostock. Uh, maybe we can get a timeshare in Kiev after the war. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> oh my God. In Odessa, I should go back to I should go back to the store and get those pionchki. Yes, yeah, you should. should. Um, um, yeah. Okay, let's just move to LA. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, you two are welcome to uh, go on a little rumspringer in LA. I'll <laughs> stay in New York. We're gonna show As you our LA. Literally, my friend Jason was like, an apartment opened up in my building. You should get it. <laughs> I, I'm i like not adamant against LA, but it just does not spark joy. Ugh, I hate the me. sun and the ocean. I fucking come from the sun and the yeah, ocean. Yeah, so what's friend. wrong with that? <laughs> it's like a facsimile. Minus the it's occupation. Like... <laughs> oh my god. What? <laughs> it's um... a thing. Now you threw me off my... Uh, well, I will <laughs> say that the Pacific doesn't get warm in the Mediterranean diet. That, that is not the reason why I will not move to L.A. Um, some places just don't spark joy. So I don't know go to the places that. that spark joy. I would love to uh, spend some more time in Norway. Um, warm I would, places. I would go back to Tuscany in a heartbeat. Oh, pretty. Mm, getting closer. Um, I want to take you to Santorini. Santorini. Can we go to Greece? Can the three of us go to Greece? Yeah, so we should like do a Mamma Mia. Yeah, <laughs> literally, please. Yes. With uh, Meryl Streep's daughter from the Gilded Age. Oh my God, Mammy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is a uh, Cassie from Euphoria? Was she in Mamma Mia, or am I thinking of a different actress? Amanda Seyfried. <laughs> Is that her name? No. She was in the White Lotus too, the Jiggly Jiggly Jugs girl. I don't know. You're crisscrossing too many things now. No, who who did I think was on Brokeback Mountain last oh night? Uh, I was like Rose McGowan from Brokeback Mountain, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and Jordan's like, no, it's Anne Hathaway. Oh, she is in White Lotus. Yeah, you see, I'm not a uh, I'm not demented yet. With all that face. How did I not put that together? I never even watched uh, Mamma Mia, but so I guess she sings too? Wait, I didn't say she's in Mamma Mia. What did you What did you do? So what did you say? She's in White Lotus. Well, of course. Okay, is Mamma Mia oh, still no, on Broadway? It, Mamma Mia is Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, what is Amanda Seyfried in? She's in Mean Girls. They, yeah. Oh, right. I mean, there's somewhat, they don't look alike, but because Amanda is more of a Sky Ferreira kind of vibe, but they're Amanda, like... Amanda, what? Oh, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, there is, there's a similarity. 
Amanda Seyfried. Anyways, Anne Hathaway, pass. She's a, like she's as ubiquitous as Meryl Streep at this point. Like, um, but Christine Baranski is also in Mamma Mia and my Polish really? queen at age. So that's the uh, yeah. She's circle. Polish. I didn't even consider that. Uh, no, she's great. The Gilded Age is son of a ram. Really. <laughs> is Cynthia Nixon? I fucking love this like bumbling phase of the uh, thin- th- of Cynthia. Cynthia. Of Cynthia. <laughs> they should have should have given her a lisp on the Gilded Age. Like I need to watch this. It's so it's like not great. It's not bad. It's just it's fake. Fine. It's fake. Like if you really want to enjoy that era, pick up a Gore Vidal <laughs> book because really the Gilded Age is not cutting it. Is there like a Gilded um, I mean, Age I never tour? Got in- Sorry. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I walked by that corner the other day. Uh, you literally went to that corner on purpose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you be on 61st Street and Fifth Avenue? It was a it was nice weather, and I was walking down. I went to the Met, and it was closed because it was a Wednesday. So I just walked down this the the avenue, and that corner looks nothing like. I mean, I'm sure they like had pictures from that era and it's like a one-to-one basically but like i saw the fucking sound stage they built on uh in long island um it just looks really fake um the, my problem with the gilded age is it's basically downtown abbey in new york and like those kinds of like you know victorian like gossip shows are just not <laughs> not that interesting to me it's boring. It's just like someone's talking. I love it. I fucking It's like, love oh, it. upstairs, downstairs, cook, main. I've never watched Downton <laughs> Abbey. I can't go there. Me neither. I just, I'm not. No, but I on, watch whole, anything and everything. So the, like, whole, the whole, like, literary concept of upstairs, downstairs <laughs> is so perennial. Okay, Jane Eyre. I just love it. I also love gossip because I'm a <laughs> real a Jew. Jew. Yeah. I enjoy Behar. But I like gossip, like, but, like, in a surgical unit in er in the er oh, i love that's, er that's, that's valid gossip too but it's like no i i mean like gray's anatomy <laughs> yeah i literally tried to go back and watch the original er since then and grace has ruined it because it's just like it doesn't get better than really gray's anatomy. oh oh yeah interesting i mean one of my one of my sixth graders the other day was like I fucking love gray's anatomy <laughs> seasons 10 and 11 and i was like you weren't even born when this show started. So I mean, I was watching ER 10. in third grade and loved it. I mean, I, ER is iconic in terms of like Juliana Margulies yes. and like you know George Clooney and like blah blah. blah. She no, had the Wiley, wet look. No Wiley. She did have the wet. Who look. Juliana? Yeah. yeah, and also like I don't know if you saw her on the uh, morning show with the with her relaxed curls that is absolutely not a good look for a naturally curly hair woman she just looked so israeli with like forcing those curls okay but the question is have you seen her in the mist of avalon no <laughs> my favorite my favorite thing she's ever been in which is the tbs like made for tv miniseries <laughs> starring juliana margulies and Angelica Houston. Oh, oh Wait, God. did that air right after Gulliver's, it aired in the 90s. Gulliver's Travels? It is so good. Mary Steenburgen <laughs> yeah. and Ted Danson. I have it on DVD. We can watch it in my studio anytime. Yes. Um, oh, you also just recently purchased the DVD set of the 60s, which we have to rip. 
starring Julia Stiles and Jordana Brewster. Oh it's so good. If I remember correctly from being like 12 or whatever. Does it come it with out. a, does it come with a soundtrack disc too? Mm, no, but I'm sure this. Oh, you know what really I'm thinking good. of the the. You're Forrest, thinking of almost the famous. For, no, the Forrest Gump soundtrack oh was such a like a introductory sort of musical lesson for me into that era, right? Because it really covered the, the yeah, like, yeah 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 yeah. Well, speaking of Julia um, Stiles, I think of the almost famous. Go ahead. Um, can we watch Save the Last Dance when I'm there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that the one with the dancing school? <laughs> No, she moves to the hood and she starts like hip hop dancing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was yeah. thinking of. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say is that Juliana Margulies is in The Sopranos, and I always forget that. Oh, oh true, yeah. Um, but she's just my fave. Well, I'm going to fire up my HBO Max Poland subscription yeah. and watch Sopranos too because I've never watched it. Uh, Sopranos is good. It's starting to age a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's still good. Um, okay, thoughts. We're we're really bleeding into <laughs> overtime here. Any uh, any final thoughts? Uh, I just want- uh, one final thought I have is that Grey's Anatomy season season ten is like not that great. Ooh, tell your student he sucks. <laughs> Uh, if only Rebecca Godlowitz was a listener. Where is Rebecca? Podcast. You mean Re- I don't think you mean Rebecca Godlovich. <laughs> I'm I'm honestly surprised she uh, doesn't even feel as a, just the smallest sense of fealty to this friendship. Season nine is what it's all about. You, you're on your own with Grey's Anatomy here. Um, I only read the the book. Grey's Anatomy, which stars. <laughs> Uh, che, oh, as, yeah. Shay Diaz, <laughs> stars Che as uh, Callie, the lesbian orthopedic surgeon. Shamik, we should open a diner and call it. Shay. Who has a baby with Eric Dane on the show? Oh my God, Eric Dane! Which brings me back to Euphoria. Yes. Thank you very much. You know what this joke I was gonna make just reminded me of that we should open a diner named Shay Diaz <laughs> on on Family Matters. Uh, the sister owned a restaurant or a diner. It was called Shay something. Oh, yeah. Um, the one, the single mother. Yes. <laughs> I don't remember. I love she Family wasn't Carl's. She wasn't Carl's sister. She was Harriet's yes, sister, Yes, Harriet's right? sister, yeah. Yeah. And she was like a Jackie, like Roseanne Jackie type. Yeah, and the kid was like a Michael Jackson impersonator. Are they all? Yeah. Alrighty. Um, so, any final thoughts, Jordan? Um, the dogs are starting to bark. So yeah, the dogs are barking downstairs. <laughs> any? Uh... I'm distracted. Um, <laughs> no, I'm. I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, you were amazing. This, this, yeah, this honor of being a guest on Thoughts on Art. Yep. Well, my um, final thought is we should have you on more often because you were wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it can be like when when Fran Dresser <laughs> on The Nanny gets a spot on the Rosie O'Donnell show, like a recurring guest <laughs> yeah, spot. You're going to take like, over? No, there's just like a 10 minute slot that's like Jordan's Corner. <laughs> Where it's yeah. like <laughs> no, but it's then, like, you're, then you're gonna get like your own hot sh- takes. You're gonna get your own show. Next thing you know, you're on Pod Save America, and you can like, you can like uh, fling those koosh balls at me. Yeah, 
Next thing you know, the you're on Red Scare. But the nanny just, <laughs> like, she just makes like off color, like nannying jokes where it's like, how do I get my kid to stop whining? And it's like, <laughs> she, I don't even know. She makes some stupid jokes. Anyway. Um, so yeah, anyway, I'm, have, like, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to bring you to my Shul's production of Matilda Jr. Okay. <laughs> what is Matilda Jr. though? Yeah, it's a little, uh, it's redundant. Like because... Rodal's Matilda? Yeah. But isn't that junior enough? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I remember when I read that book, and I was, like, so proud of myself because it was, like, the fattest book I'd ever read at that point in my yeah, life. Yeah, it's, one, it's like... also one of the thicker yeah. Uh, dolls. So... Yeah, so, like, when you're, like, however many years old, and you're yeah. like, I finished this whole book. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I cannot wait to be... The, like, Hebrew teacher's wife coming to school play. <laughs> Mrs. Gooberstein. <laughs> Literally, I can't wait. I actually can't wait. Um, 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 yeah, anyway. But, yeah, so consider... Uh, and Pramik, yeah, you should just move here already so you can enjoy one of my job's perks, which is uh, gluten-free challah on mm, Shabbat. It's really good. Hauka. It is very good. Wasn't it vegan? It was vegan, yeah. It was very oh, good. So it's not just it's not just gluten oh, sorry, free, but it's egg free. You know, it's 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 glu- it's not gluten free. It's gluten full, but it's gluten full, but egg free. Yeah. Well, we'll make some uh, challah French toast when I'm there. Which they did not even have at Erewhon, by the way. Really? Where? Erewhon. Nowhere backwards. <laughs> oh, I never knew that. It's Wait, like what's the Erewhon? ridiculously expensive grocery store in LA. That's oh, like, right. Where you can get like a nine dollar persimmon. Well, I was going because I was going to a fancy Shabbat this one, the first time I ever went to Erewhon, actually, in Malibu. And I was like, they better have gluten free challah because the hosts are vegan. And then they didn't. I was very uh, disappointed. I, I need the statistics. How many like gluten related deaths have been recorded in the United States no, but in 2022? Not, wait, did I say gluten free? I meant vegan. Oh. Sorry, it's because the the hosts were vegan, gluten full and vegan. Okay. Um, but I ended up bringing dates, which were not expensive. Like, so the whole thing about Erewhon is like people joke it's about how expensive, expensive it is. on purpose. No, like literally, like a smoothie is like twenty dollars and like whatever. But everything I got at Erewhon that day was like strangely normally priced. Erewhon sounds like a Palestinian grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> I don't, because yeah. Um, the dates were eleven dollars, and they were meeting. They were grown in California. Anyway, um, <laughs> for the record, well, I can't wait for okay, Jordan's well. corner, Coach's corner, to be a <laughs> recurring yeah. segment. To think of a good name. <laughs> uh, it's like weekend update or something, you know? It's like a separate little slot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's hope that by the next time we record, the uh, Ukrainians have prevailed. Putin has been uh, decapitated. <laughs> I meant to say the Russian government has been decapitated. Because apparently that's the term they use, which is so insane to me. Um, so, yeah, fight on, my uh, Ukrainian brothers. And pray for me. I'm 250 kilometers from Lviv. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, you're in Poland? Yeah, I'm at my parents' place in southeastern Poland. Lachego. Uh, well, maybe we can all maybe we can all take you away from Lviv <laughs> and bring you to Tel Aviv <laughs> for a, a hot thought summer mm-hmm. on the beach. 
Um, oh, quickly before we go, I just want to say that on someone wrote me on Scruff, um, a dating app for those of you who don't know, uh, wishing me well and hoping I stay safe. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was a sweet gesture he wrote from the UK I was like thanks but I'm not in Ukraine I'm just like close by because <laughs> he searched I mean, for Lviv cra- and then I came up like 8th uh, <laughs> oh I get it it's crazy what technology is giving us access to now between like locating gaze <laughs> in that radius or just like opening Google Maps to I mean for me it was a way to see what traffic was like f- for people fleeing Kiev oh yeah and for you, like, flight radar to see what, like, oligarchs are flying over your house. Um, oh, there's a lot. I mean, I keep seeing flights f- flying between Moscow and Tel Aviv. <laughs> for sure, yeah. Um, are there people, like, coming from Ukraine into, like, your Yeah, the, the border area? crossing is not too far away from here. It's, like, uh, I don't know, like, 100-something kilometers if Lviv's, like, 250 um yeah. yeah no and there's a lot of stuff happening like people getting supplies together and like driving out there to get people and things like that Crazy. i mean you're right there yeah it's crazy. and but even here like my dad said today like atms are out of cash like half the gas stations in the area are out of gas um right. and you know what i want to see i just want to see a side-by-side picture of Zelensky and klitschko <laughs> i just want to see that height difference I just want Liam it's, Schreiber know, just to play like, him in the film. Totally. I can see that. Honestly, Zelensky and Klitschko is like if you see pictures of me and Jordan side by side. <laughs> well, it's like thing. seeing Klitschko and um, Hayden Panettiere <laughs> together. Yeah. <laughs> Penetrating Hayden. Oh my God. And on that note, uh, join us on next week. <laughs> no, thank God. Cheers. Thanks for joining us, Jordan. Cheers. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Cheers. Ciao.